Here we go. It's Monday night, and it's time once again for Ira on Sports. True Oldies Channel, I'm Mike Balsamo. And Ira, there's, you know, as, as big sports fans, there's a couple of times a year that you gravitate to. Some people might love the start of the NFL season. Some people love the Super Bowl, March Madness, the Masters. For me, this is up there right now. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, both kicking off in the same week. It's almost playoff overload, but it's a fantastic time as a sports fan. I love basketball so much. I love it. I think it's the <laughs> I think it's the most beautiful game. And you go from October till April and watch what the NFL, the NBA puts out as they call basketball, which is nobody playing, half-hearted efforts, and then you see what Golden State, Sacramento, Clippers, Phoenix last yeah. night. You see My Kevin, Knicks, Ke counting out. Kevin Durant <laughs> and Kawhi Leonard rolling down on the floor like they were like they're seventh graders trying to make their high school basketball team the best of the best. The quality of play, the intensity. It's like, why? Just shorten the season. Do something. Give this to me all the time. This is how the NBA used to be. And you look at it you're like, wait a second. This is why I love the NBA, because these games were amazing. I mean, besides last night's game, whoever wanted to stay up till 10 o'clock to see Minnesota not put any effort at all, that game. Besides that, the games yesterday, the week, you know, everything has been so tremendous. And as someone who loves basketball, and... He said, with hockey coming on, this is Stanley Cup playoffs. This is do or die. They play with that same Their intensity also. through the roof. Through the roof. This is a great time. This is a fantastic time in sports. Yeah, I'm super excited for our show. I'm super excited for the next couple of weeks here. This time of year keeps you a little busy, though. Where have you been this past week? Well, just the two heat games, Tuesday and Friday in Miami, and uh, so it was awesome. I, I did not expect to go back. I thought I'm going down to Tuesday, and we'll get ready for the next series, uh, and look what happened. <laughs> they had they lost, and I had to come back on Friday yeah. for the game. Yeah, you, we were wrapping up last Monday. You're like, I, I don't want to go down there Friday. They need to close this out <laughs> tomorrow. That wasn't the case. We'll talk about that uh, here in just a minute. Of course, Ira's everywhere on social media, at Ira on Sports. Walter Cherapinski is going to join us at 7.30. He's one of my favorite interviews that we ever have on this show. Tell us about Walter. Walter is, there's these draft experts, draft gurus, and there's some people who just get it right. And Walter is one of those who gets it right. I mean, his service, WalterFootball.com, is one of the best services in terms of predicting. They don't have an agenda. They're not being pushed by agents to push someone, which you see on ESPN, because how wrong is ESPN? I mean, how much have we heard from Mel Kuyper Jr. that Will Levis is going to be the first pick in the draft? And those things. And there's other agendas behind a lot of what you see on TV. A lot of these prognosticators are actually, you know, they know people who are the agents they're working for. Their agents are the same. This Walter Football is just, he's telling what it is. And I've heard that rumor too, and it's true. This is, a lot of teams aren't leaking this information to, to these prognosticators. They're getting it from scout, uh, from agents. And what do agents want to do? Push their guys' stock up and, you know, make more money for themselves and their players. WalterFootball.com and these guys led the NFL media in draft room accuracy in 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 21, and 22. These guys are the best in the business, and we'll have Walter on at 7.30. I can't wait for this. we got to get into the NBA. And I, I think there's going to be some overreactions from the first couple of games. We could talk about those. Do you want to start with the Heat, though, on Tuesday? Oh, yes. This so, was a bad game for the Heat. This was This is one of those games, and first of all, Anyone who knows me, I, I can't go to games with people anymore. It's like, I want to be down there. <laughs> I'm in the parking garage at 530. I mean, to show you what happened on Friday, I'm pulling in. The, the I'm pulling into American Airlines, or Caseya Center, as they call it. The, the police are behind me. I have... 
20 police motorcycles behind me because the bulls were in the in the in the buses and they were like getting me out of the way as I'm pulling in like I was gonna get that's how early I want to be I'm sitting there I just got to get there on time I want to see them warm up I want to see Trey Young I want to take the pictures I mean I might be the only one in the arena from like six o'clock to seven you and the players <laughs> and the players because the so maybe eight because you know the fans don't come in for half an hour after the game starts anyway so it's just great to be there and just for that but this game was crazy um I was there March 4th when the Heat beat them. And the Heat, you know, everyone, I think the Heat were overconfident. They seemed like whatever. And they played it. They were down 24 points in the second. They clawed back to five. But they got a rebound at 63 to 39, 22 to six offensive rebounds. Trey Young had 25 points on 8 to 18 shooting. But their best player is Dante Murray. They made that trade to bring Dante Murray before the year started from San Antonio. He is tremendous. He gets rebounds. He's a tall point guard. I'm telling you, they could do without Trey Young. I mean, Capella had 21 boards, Bogdanovich came in and great. Quinn Snyder, Atlanta brought in Quinn Snyder, uh, like with a month before end of the season. And he was, you know, he decided to leave Utah before the year started, was really going to sit the year out. And they said, we want to hire you. And they're like, you can just observe. He goes, no, I want to coach. And he is a great coach. And it's one of the few games that Spolstra was, and you see how great Spolstra is a coach? He was outcoached. He was totally outcoached. There's plays where Capella, who's seven feet tall, gets the ball underneath the basket, and Lowry is underneath him, like trying to guard him. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And, and Lowry was hot. He scored 33 points. But uh, Struess was actually benched in this game. Let me see how great he played the last game. But that was just a, it's a, just a bad, I mean, just the rebounding advantage and it made you scared because suddenly now they're playing that was to be the seventh seed playing the Celtics now they're going to be playing in the, the seed eight if they lose Friday night they're out of the yeah. playoffs and it's over and myself after watching that game I really did not have much confidence on Friday night I'm looking at this like the heat season might be over because of playing games I thought it was ridiculous but got a better result on Friday I was nervous about the game on Friday and I was watching the Raptors play the Bulls and this was Toronto Toronto's up by 18 they're cruising along I love this Toronto team they have Siakam Van Fleet OG Anobi Scotty Barnes I mean they're a great team with Nick Nurse as their coach and then they just blew it right at home and the Bulls Zach Levine at 39 points DeRozan at 23 totally collapsed in the middle of the game I was scared Toronto was going to win and the ticket prices because Toronto fans Canadian fans are all here we're going to skyrocket so I actually bought a ticket which I wasn't really wanted, but I bought it. And then when they lost, then I like, oh, I don't really want that seat. I want a better seat. So I actually bought a different seat. I moved up two rows on the other side. I like to sit on the opposite, the bench side, because then the players don't stand up in front of you. But I like to be in the, I don't like row like 13, 11. If you sit 10 and under, that's the super VIP section. Those tickets are like three times more than what I would pay on row like 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. Smart so move. I moved to the other side. And then I was lucky because I sold my ticket. But I didn't know when the game started, I put a number in. I was like, I don't know if it's going to sell or not. I was nervous and actually sold. Ended up sort of making some money on the ticket exchange. So that was good. But um, so then, again, I got there super early. Wanted to watch this. You know, wanted to see what Chicago's Zach Levine warm up to Rosen. The, the funny story about DeRozan is that his daughter, Dyer, I think her name is, she came to the Toronto game and she was screaming so loud that on TV it looked like it was like a Raptor. When the Toronto Raptors were shooting, they thought, and someone said, why are they playing Raptor music when they're <laughs> shooting? And it wasn't Raptor. It was her, and DeRozan is one of my favorite players because 
He played for Toronto for nine years. Then he signed this five-year deal, loved Toronto, professed his total love, like, you know, put the tattoo of Toronto on. I don't know if he did. But, I mean, he was so <laughs> in Toronto. And the next day, like, you know, we're going to trade you for Kawhi Leonard. And it's like they just shipped him out of town. And there's a game in zones. We had the Malibu brothers on our show. Mm. And one of the funnest game in zones is when the trade went down, where they trade DeRozan to San Antonio for Kawhi Leonard. Then they win the title with Kawhi. Kawhi stays there one year and leaves. And DeRozan's now been bouncing around San Antonio. Then he signs to Chicago. And I just felt like that was those he should have stayed there. He could have been the heart and soul of that Raptor team. They sold themselves to Kawhi for one year. But I sort of liked him. But anyway, so they came in in, in this game. And this one, uh, Max Drews, seven threes in that first half with draining it. And Bam had you know, decided rebounding. I mean, can, we, can you believe the Heat got out-rebounded that first game by like 30? And they're out-rebounding this game, 51 to 37. Uh, but Zach Levine was so bad for Chicago. I, he's going to make like 40, 45 million next year. I, I think he's going to trade it. I really do. I think he was, it was just one of the most pathetic performances you've seen. They went all in. The Bulls signed Vukovic from Orlando, the big guy. They have DeRozan. They have Levine. The Alonzo Ball thing didn't work out for them. But with 347 left, Cody Wade had the ball, 90 to 87. He, he, he had made a three, made it 97. Then Caruso blocked Butler's shot, and, uh, and uh, White goes in. Now this could make it a five-point five point lead with a couple minutes to go. And he drove by. He had this easy layup at the basket. No one around him, and he misses it. He misses that. The Bulls went on a 15-to-1 run. Hero, Butler, everything. And uh, that was it. I mean, they just blew him out. It was, absolutely, it was one of those games where you're like, in the space of like two minutes, you're like, the Heat are going to lose, and the Heat, are, you know, it's, and it's a comfortable game with reserves at the end of the game at that. So, moving on to the, I guess, first actual playoff game here that the Heat were going to play. Saturday, we saw pretty much chalk down the board. Sunday, there was a lot more excitement, and one of those games was that Miami game. Nobody gave Miami a shot to even win a two nine games. Po- a nine and a half points. People spread. didn't think they were going to win two games. They thought maybe they'd get one, and here they go out and win game one. Well, Jimmy Butler averages, I think it's like 30, 25, was it 25, 25 points in game ones. So, I mean, I didn't think they were going to, but it was Holiday got two fouls early. Uh, Giannis then gets hurt on a layup. And he kept coming back, but he landed on, a, on his tailbone. And you could see he was clearly injured. But the Heat, up 29-15, uh, Jimmy Butler was playing out of his mind. I mean, he All had, over the place. It, it, 20-some points in the first half. Uh, they ended up leading 68-55 in that first half. And, and if it wasn't for Middleton, who, again, he's like Kawhi Leonard. Middleton all year has been in and out of the lineup, injured with many injuries, all this. He comes and scores 33 points. He looked tremendous. And Bobby Portis, who I think Bobby Portis is a Miami Heat player. He just plays so hard, so everything, and he had uh, 21 points and nine rounds for the game. But the weird thing happened at the end of the first half is that Hero dies for the ball, and then he gets up, and he, you could see he's in pain. And there's only like a minute to go. And then the clock stopped, and they didn't substitute Hero out. He runs to the locker room, and they're like, get back. You don't get out of the game. He's like, well, I hurt my hand. I hurt my hand. <laughs> so they make him come back, and he's standing there in the corner, and they throw him the ball. He shoots the ball. It ends up he has a broken hand when he's shooting the ball. And you're questioning, like, why did they take him out of the yeah. game? Or why did they call? It's one thing not to call timeout, but there was a dead ball that they could have taken him out. It ends up Hero's out for six weeks now with that broken hand. But it made at halftime, Hero's out, and then Giannis was ruled out for the rest of the game, even though it looks like Giannis will be back for the next game. And then Bam just took over the second half. Jimmy Butler was, you know, ended up with 35 points. As someone, I'm in this fantasy basketball league, so for a pro season, I went with two Golden State Warriors the first two rounds, Wiggins and Clay Thompson. And then I went Clipper, Clipper, Clippers, and I threw in Jimmy Butler. So I had a really good weekend in that. But uh, 
the question is for the Heat's going forward. I mean, they just—it was amazing. They—they they kept that lead. Really, the 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 Bucks didn't come close, and they kept showing the Buck fans. I mean, they were—I've been in Defy Serve form. It's loud. It, they were dead. It, I've seen libraries louder than that place was. Heat did an amazing job, you know, staying up and winning by 13. And the question, I guess, for the Heat is, what do they do? Does all the Oladipo replace Hero? Oladipo has sort of been on the bench for the last like three weeks. It seems like yeah. not played. They they were just using Struess. And they brought Duncan Robinson for a couple plays. They don't seem to trust Spoh him. doesn't trust him at all. And then when you put, the problem is that when you have Hero, when you have Vincent, Gabe Vincent, and you have Lowry in the game, they're both so short that they really can't match up with the size of any teams. And that's what happened in the Atlanta game. And that's a problem. So I don't know what, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what the Heat are going to do going forward. Jimmy Butler, though, boy, he knows how to play and plays hard. And, and I just think the Bucs, I was... You know, the Bucks did not take that game seriously, and I, hope, I wonder if this woke them up, but it would be great if the Heat can surprise them. I mean, this is now and again, but if Giannis comes back and without Hero, it's going to be a challenge, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, the latest report is that Giannis's, um, Giannis's MRI is clean. Bucks are optimistic about his status, so <clears throat> I don't know if we're going to see him in Game 2, but he might be back for the series. Remember, two years ago, I was at, as he got hurt of the Atlanta series, sat out a game, and then went back to Atlanta and then played, and then, of course, in the, they beat the Suns, and he scores 50 points in Game 6, so he can recover. He's not going to be someone who's going to. We're not talking Zion Williamson here with Giannis. <laughs> trust me, there's no Zion here. So let's talk about. Uh, let's wrap up the rest of the East here. The one series that I think everyone kind of put to bed before it started was going to be Philly and Brooklyn. Obviously, Brooklyn, you know, doesn't have Kyrie and Durant, who got them to the seed basically. Um, so nobody's given uh, nobody's given them a chance, and Philly looked really, really good in the process. Brooklyn's weird team because that's the seed six that I thought the Heat were going to get. They should. But they couldn't when they made the trade. They got rid of Durant. They got rid of Kyrie, everything. And they still had And one of the reasons is Miles Bridges, who scored 30 points in the game, 12-18 shooting. And I bring Miles Bridges up because he was drafted. His, his mom worked for the Sixers. He was drafted by the Sixers. They decided to make this brilliant move to trade him for Zaire Smith, who ended up playing 13 NBA games. Bridges now is a star in the league. You know, so good that he was the key in the Durant trade in terms of going there. And then when you watch the Suns two nights ago and this, the problem the Suns had, they missed Bridges. I'm not saying they, they would rather have Durant than Bridges, but there are other players involved. But that he was a key component. He plays every game. He hasn't missed a game in like three, four years. And he is a, is just a great one of the best defenders in the league. But look, the Sixers, Harris had 21 points. Embiid had 26. Harden had 23. Seven three-pointers and 13 assists. And this seems to be... You know, this, this seems like a sweep. I, I just can't. I really don't see Brooklyn winning a game in this. And, and Nick Sirianni rang the over. They have this tradition in Philadelphia. They have the Liberty Bell. They roll it out to the center court, and whoever rings it, it's a big thing. And they chose Nick Sirianni for the ringing that bell. It's kind of a cool thing yeah. for the city of Philadelphia. It's 718. This is Ira on Sports. It's the True Oldies channel. Walter Cherapinski of WalterFootball.com joins us in about uh, 12 or 13 minutes. Let's talk about Boston and Atlanta, and this is another series where I don't think anyone's giving Atlanta any any credit here. I am giving Atlanta some, and I'm not willing to say because I, I think one thing about these game ones is that good coaches, during the regular season, I was listening to something on NBA radio, and they're like, during the regular season, you have a scout of a team, so it's one of the assistant scouts the team you're supposed to play. They, they break down a couple things. They show a couple minutes of the video. The, they watch it. Game's over, and the, the, once the game's over, they put everything away, put it in the foul folder, put the cabinet, do all that. In the playoffs, it's not like that. Everybody's doing the scout. After the game's over, everybody rescouts it. Everybody watches every play, every play call, everything. All the assistants and the players have nothing else to do but keep watching the game. So they go home and they watch the videos and they have so many days off between these games. That's all they do is keep watching it. So it's completely different. I like 
I, I like the Hawks because I like Quinn Snyder. I mean, I, of course, I went to law school with him, so that's why I'm sort of biased a little <laughs> bit. But the fact is he's a brilliant coach, and you would think that someone like Quinn could figure this out. And, and so I am not ready. Look, I think the Nets don't have a chance, but I do think the Hawks have a chance to make. But I did like how Boston came out. They took a 30-point lead. They're like, oh, I mean, Jalen Brown was injured. He had five stitches in his hand from gardening. You know, he was, he was his potted plant fell over. He was watering it, and he got five stitches in his hand. Recovered enough to, to, to score. He had like, two, uh, what, 30, you know, I ended up scoring 29 points for the game. But the Celtics are healthy. Robert Williams is healthy. They got the bench, Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon, who could be the NBA Sixth Man of the Year, with Marcus Smart, Derek White. They seem to have that. But I liked how Atlanta played against the Heat, so I'm not ready to rule them out in that series. So you're our resident Knicks hater here uh, oh, on, on Iron like Sports. <laughs> um, man, they look good against the Cavs, and this is a team. I think if they buy into to Thibodeau and they play really hard, they're going to be a hard out. I don't know if they're going to beat the Cavs, but I can see this one going seven, especially with them getting the big win in game one. Well, 101-97 in Cleveland, and this was uh, this is going to be a war. This will be yeah. seven games. I cannot see any t- They're not going to blow each other out. And Josh Hart is, is he like the perfect Nick? I mean, he is like Char- sure. Charles Oakley is a guest. That's Josh Hart. I mean, every time the ball's loose, he's there running in. He's causing trouble. He's doing it. He was, a, they brought him from the uh, Portland and for nothing really in the middle of the year. They just picked him up. Now he's a free agent of the year, so his contract, Nick's will have to pay him. But boy, did he play well. Randall had an average game, but he'd been out for the last couple of weeks. So you would expect so much 19 points. Jalen Brunson, the big free agent signing. And you're wondering, okay, Jalen Brunson played great in the playoffs last year for the Mavericks. He got that big contract for the Knicks, had a great year for the Knicks. How's he going to be in the playoffs? Boy, did he come to play. 27 points was tremendous. And the key, though, was the rebound advantage, 51 to 38. The Cavs have Mobley, Jared Allen. Like, they're a tall team. They should not be out-rebounded. Um, big, and Donovan Mitchell played great. I mean, Donovan Mitchell was scoring left and right all over the place. But and it came down. He had, he had 38 points and eight assists. But it came down at the end where where uh, 99, 99, seven, left. Brunson misses a shot, and then Randall gets the offensive board, hold, held them on, and that was. Uh, but it was it was exciting. I mean to see, and I think we need uh, Garland for the Cavaliers. Their younger point guard has to step up. This this was his first playoff game, and he's really got to step up to show that he's that he's ready, ready for this because this moment is he's going to need to be a star because the Knicks RJ Barrett their their guards weren't but I'll tell you what Brunson and Randall and Hart are just enough for the Knicks to win this this is going to be a great series like just turn these games on and enjoy watching 48 minutes of great basketball yeah and that was at home wait till he's got to play at Madison Square Garden and tell me about those t- tell us about the ticket prices you said they like it I think it's like $43 for the cheapest ticket in Cleveland then game 3 the cheapest ticket's $308 <laughs> <laughs> They're a little excited in New York about this team. Uh, Ira on Sports Truly Channel. We have our first goal of the NHL playoffs. Carolina on top of the Islanders. one nothing. 14 minutes to there go in the first period. There was a bet on that. There was a bet, like, who was going to be the score of the first oh, really? goal. Yeah, I saw that over there. <laughs> I, I would have definitely taken a Carolina guy because the Islanders don't score anything. Go to the West. We did have a playoff game, and it's weird seeing LeBron James in playoff games, but... Play in. Play, play in, in games. games. Sorry, play in games. And... He, if he's not doing the work, he's facilitating it. Other people are stepping up, and the, uh, they were able to win their way in. It's a crazy game. First of all, the Heat game's over. I'm trying to watch this game. So I go to a sushi restaurant that's across from the Heat arena. So I go to the sushi restaurant, and, like, 
They throw me out as fast as possible. The wind, <laughs> there was so windy and rainy down in, in Miami. It wasn't really rainy. It was just so super windy. Like, if you wanted a hat, go down to Biscayne Boulevard because everybody's hat was blowing <laughs> around. Like, all there were hundreds of hats on the road. So I go and watch it. They throw me out at halftime. Like, we're done. We got, we're closing up. So then I run over to the Bayside, and there's this bar over there, I think, uh, market something. So I went over there, and they were like, she walked in, they're like, we're closing at 12 no matter what if it goes into overtime. And they did. So I got thrown out at it. And when it went into overtime, I had nowhere to watch the second half. I couldn't even get it on my phone. It was crazy. This was a weird game because Rudy Gobert from Minnesota, probably going down maybe the worst trade in the history of the world. Um, he was traded for by the Jazz for Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and Walter Kessler, who actually, if you rather want to think, people think Kessler could potentially be the like second rookie of the year better than Gobert, and he plays for the Jazz, and four first-round picks. So <laughs> this is the craziest pick of all time. And then what does Gobert do on the eve of them playing in this big playoff game, in the playing game, he punches Kyle Anderson, his team. Made and then and the Timberwolves suspend Gobert for the game. But wow, it was crazy. Carl Anthony Towns, he's another one of these who sat out the entire year and didn't even play. So he sat out the entire year, comes back, and he was amazing in this game. Scored 24 points all over the place, playing great. And the craziest thing was 95 88 with six minutes left. Uh, Timberwolves, 95-88. They don't score till .01 left. They went six minutes without scoring, but it wasn't like the Lakers scored so much. They only scored seven points. It was the worst seven, six minutes of basketball, or seven, <laughs> exactly, seven minutes of basketball I have ever seen. And finally, Schroeder hit a shot that, that took, they gave the lead. But then at the end of the, of the regulation, before I got thrown out of the bar, as they're like closing every TV, Anthony Davis, they threw the ball to, in the corner to Connolly. He shoots for a three, and Anthony Davis clearly misses the shot. Anthony Davis decides to commit the worst foul and just fouls him, just backs up into him and, and rolls him over. And then Conley sinks three, sends it into overtime, which I did not see at all because I'm running around trying to find another place to watch it. And the, and the Lakers end up winning that series. So let's talk about uh, Oklahoma City playing against New Orleans. I'll admit, you know, I, I can see the this, this stat lines on Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but having not seen him play that much, He's exciting. I mean, this this guy's the real deal, and I do hope he gets that you know first uh, All NBA guard spot. The text that I kept getting from a lot of my friends, and I was it's almost they texted me as I think SGA is better than John Moran. Like I think Jerrion Fox is better than John Moran. People do not see Oklahoma City on TV. He's phenomenal. He's great. He is really a tremendous point guard. Oklahoma City they tried to tank. Chet Holmgren got hurt. Who their number one draft pick? They're like we're not going to play him this year. They have traded every asset they have. They have almost like the entire draft is Oklahoma City players coming up. The next like three years and they did all these things and they still make the playing game which is truly amazing Josh Giddy is only 20 years old had 31 points in the game he's the youngest player to ever score 30 points in an NBA playoff game where they care and Lou Dort had 27 points and the big story about New Orleans is who they had all these hopes this year but Zion who ended up playing like 30 games who's now who's missed has only played like 35% of the games he could possibly play, missing season after season. Zion goes, I am healthy, I feel good, but I don't feel like Zion, I'm not gonna play in this game. So Zion couldn't play five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. He said he's 100% healthy, but couldn't play. So that just shows, you know, that's where if you're a Pelican fans, you're like, what, you know, he's getting paid. It's not like for money during a contract. He already has his guaranteed $200 million contract, chose not to play. They end up losing, Oklahoma City wins. And then the next night then, or two nights later, the Minnesota beat Oklahoma City goes Bear was back, dominating Towns was great, uh, and Anthony Edwards had 19 points. It was uh, the, uh, clearly Minnesota should have won that game, and they looked they looked fantastic in that game beating Oklahoma City. But if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, you've got to be so excited. Your young core is super young. You have draft picks, everything, and you have a great general manager. So you got to think that in two or three years, Oklahoma City could be competing for the Western title. 
So going to Saturday night now, this Golden State and Sacramento game lived up to the hype. I know a lot of people are really excited for this series. It's very polarizing. Some people think Warriors are going to crush them. Some people think Sacramento is going to crush the Warriors. We had a good game one. Well, this again, nobody watch. No one stays up till one, twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning. Watch exactly what did here. to watch Deer and Fox play, who's absolutely tremendous and uh, Sabonis. But it was one of those and Malik Monk. I mean, it was like Kentucky. You watch all these great Kentucky players because Shea Gillis Alexander went to Kentucky, Malik Monk went to Kentucky, Darren Fox went to Kentucky. They played each other around the same time and they they won nothing. It's like why has Kentucky Julius Randle went? To, I mean, I just could go with the list of list of all <laughs> the Kentucky players. It's all Kentucky. And what is John Collins? He's a great recruiter, but he's certainly coaching. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the 17 years since the last playoff game in Sacramento. They're playing and they're, these teams. The first time they've ever met, Golden State and Sacramento. They're only a mile apart from each other. Not a mile, an hour apart uh, between Sacramento and, uh, and and San Francisco. And Andrew Wiggins, who had, again another person missed the entire season, comes back, plays 26 minutes and 17 points. Gary Payton Jr., who had signed a contract and, and had left the free agent contract, he's back for the Warriors. The whole gang is back in terms of the Warriors with Dante Dicenzio and. This was back and forth, and Curry was draining threes. Curry played fantastic, and it was just the Kings. Fox scored 38 points. Monk scored 32, and uh, Sabonis had 12 points and 16 rebounds. And the fourth quarter, it was 35 to 33. And I'm telling you, they were playing defense. They were just making shots. And Fox had one amazing shot after another. And defensively, at the end, Wiggins missed a three. The Sacramento went down, made made two free throws, the three uh, three to win the game. The Sacramento comes down after a foul. They get, make the lead three. Then Curry goes down, has a chance to tie the game. He misses his three. But you're like, what a game. I mean, that ending. And then it was like one of those things where they weren't even fouling each other. It just seems like Clay Thompson's a three. Fox hits a three. Monks hits a three. I mean, it's like back and forth, like great plays. Love watching this game. They play tonight. Cannot wait. Did you happen to see what De'Aaron Fox said about guarding Curry? He said it was like an existential, whatever experience. Well, or yeah, well, J.R. Smith was on a podcast, and he was saying, like, guarding Curry for a game is like getting your body beat, beat to crap, <laughs> just from having to chase him. And De'Aaron Fox came and said, you know that J.R. Smith comment? He was not lying. <laughs> this was exhausting, and I only guarded him for two, two I, quarters. I, you got to like Sacramento to some extent because uh, like they're like Memphis because they're young and they they play exciting basketball, but they don't talk. Like, you don't hear Fox talking. You don't hear Sabonis talking. Like, whereas Memphis you see, chirps. Memphis, everyone chirps. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan Brooks, John Moran, everyone, they're like different. They're, and they're in Sacramento, not Memphis, and this and that. So you, you, you've got to like Sacramento and you like their the passion of their fan bases since they had Chris Weber and, and all those all those players. And uh, but uh, but that it was this is going to be a seven game series. And I just I, I think the Warriors are going to if the Warriors win this, I think they win the title. So I really think the Warriors have this is their this is to me their toughest challenge to win this series. So Memphis and the Lakers, Ira, and this is another one I think is really polarizing. Some people think that the Memphis is just going to roll over the Lakers in this series. Some people think the Lakers are going to win the West. And game one was pretty telling. The Lakers are not to be taken lightly. No, well, the key thing is that just keep Anthony Davis healthy. I mean, he got hurt in the middle of the game. He said, I can't lift my arm. My arm can't move, but he comes back in the second half. So LeBron, <laughs> LeBron played well. But he ended up, I mean, he had 21 points. Uh, Davis finished with 22 points. But LeBron had some turnovers that were like, what is LeBron doing? But defensively, I've never seen LeBron play defense. Like, people say, well, LeBron does play defense. He was doing everything defensively. It was, like, awesome to see LeBron play so great defensively. Um, and then the, the story of the game was Rui Hashimura. I, out of no, 
<laughs> but now remember he 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 was he just trade he was another one of those mid-season acquisition trades that came in from Washington it was a star Gonzaga. He was 11-14, five or six from three pointers for 29 points. And even Sacramento said he's not going to do that another game. They don't even talk. And then Austin Reeves, an undrafted free agent two years ago. A pours in 23 points. Now, he had played well, and LeBron goes, we knew he was going to be good. He's from Oklahoma. Uh, what a what a performance. And at the end of the game, I mean, that's when, so it was 101-98. Memphis was up with nine minutes to go. Then John Morant fell on his hand, got hurt, which the hurry-in was already hurt, so he's out of the game. But they had played well without John Morant, so I wasn't ready to say, oh, the Lakers are going to win. But then Reeves shot Reeves a three-pointer. Then it was like 113-112, three minutes to go, and that's when the Lakers went on a 15 to nothing run. I mean, similar to what like the Heat did. You know, they went on 15 nothing to run, and uh, Reeves was doing everything. Layups, three-point shots, just tremendous. I mean, he looked, that was exactly, it was amazing. And then he said, I'm it, or I'm, I'm him. <laughs> I don't know what that meant, but it was exciting. I mean, the Lakers have lots of, that's where the enthusiasm had, and that's what you were waiting, you know. But look, I'm not ready to write Memphis. They were 35-6 at home. Um, they won without Ja Moran. But this, for a team that talks and talks and talks and talks, they better start backing it up or no one's going to listen to their talk anymore. So the Suns were the betting favorite to reach the uh, reach the finals from the West. Well, who can take down a team like that? Well, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard has proven he can take a team on his back, and that's uh, what he did here as the Clippers beat the Suns in Game 1. It was one of the best... Most exciting fourth quarters I've ever seen in a basketball game. That's like in a you know not the NBA Finals. It, this series has everything. The Clippers the, the, on the floor are six Hall of Famers. Now Paul George is not playing, but he might still come back. With he comes back, uh, there's only five players playing that have won an NBA Finals MVP. Two of them, Durant and Kawhi, they've won two each. So you have two guys, two people that have each won two Finals MVP. You have six Hall of Famers between Paul George, Kawhi, Durant, Booker, and Westbrook. I mean, it's just loaded with talent, loaded with names, and. Uh, uh, this was just super exciting. And Kawhi Leonard, I mean, 42 points, 38 points, uh, third, 42 minutes, 38 points on 13 to 24 shooting, draining threes, everything. Russell Westbrook shot three for 19. Oh, terrible game. He had 10 rebounds, eight assists, nine points, flying everywhere for the Clippers, doing everything out there. And it was just, and Durant and Devin Booker, tremendous games. Durant at 27 points, Booker at 26. But at the end of the game, it was Leonard with his two threes. Eric Gordon had a huge three. And Westbrook's defense, I mean, Booker came to take the shot to win the game. And Westbrook not only blocked the shot, but as the ball's going out, Booker's complaining to the referees. Westbrook, in the air, takes the ball and throws it off Booker and gives it to, so it's off him. Westbrook is just shows that even if you cannot shoot the ball at all, the difference he makes in those games, perfect location, perfect situation. The Lakers didn't want him. Everybody calls him Westbrook. Everyone criticizes him. He goes there and plays this amazing. I mean, and, and this is the problem the Suns have. They traded everything for Durant. They traded uh, Johnson and Bridges off, and they got rid of their bench. Pain is hurt. Then, and without a bench, this is something with the Clippers. And even without Paul George, uh, I, I was impressed. I mean, I have in my fantasy, I like all these Clippers, and Zubak played good inside, Plumlee played in great inside, but just watch this game and watch Durant and Booker and Paul and Leonard and they're diving around after the ball. I love this series. This is seven games. This is going to be double overtime in the seventh game to see who wins this. So probably the least exciting series here going to be the one seed Denver taking on Minnesota. I don't know what 
Minnesota, he didn't want to try. Like I'd like, I mean, Denver looked like they they were they were they played. They were the best team all year in the NBA. In the last month, they didn't seem like they were flying on any cylinders at all. But they got it back. They blew Minnesota out. The game wasn't even close. I mean, I even went to bed in the third quarter, which <laughs> I never would do something like that. Um, but it was just, I mean, I would think that Minnesota could put up some effort. But boy, Denver, if Denver plays, well, this is how Denver played all year up until the last month. Then they're going to win this, and they'll advance the next round. Ira on Sports Troll, the channel Mike Balsamo. Just about a minute here until we have to get to, to Walter Cherapinski of WalterFootball.com looking in on the NHL playoffs. So I'm telling you, in the East, anyone can win any series. Florida is, has their work cut out for them with Boston. Not going to be surprised if they take it over. Islanders trailing right now to Carolina. I can't see the Islanders. Islanders would have been a, a worse matchup for Boston because the way they can slow the game down and play defense. Carolina does that too, but they're more skilled. Can't see them losing. Devils are better than the Rangers this year. I, I think the Rangers have to take them. And then Tampa Bay and Toronto, Ira, this is a series to watch in the East because it's offensive firepower like you wouldn't believe. And you you know Tampa Bay from years past. This team can score points. Toronto's got some of the best scorers in the league as well. So that'd be what I'd be focusing on in the East. Uh, Boston, Florida. I heard that Boston had a flu and their, their team is decimated by flu. Really? So that might be an advantage that Florida might be able to take advantage of. But uh, no, the Tampa Bay-Toronto series is funny because the Toronto fans, I mean, the great tradition, but they seem to always lose in these playoffs yeah. and this is like this they're is the cursed. year they are cursed and this is the year this is that we're going to break this curse so it'll be they're almost like the Boston in many ways they're like the Boston Red Sox of hockey yeah. the old Boston Red Sox that couldn't win that were good every year just could not advance in the playoffs yeah, looking into the West too it, to me it's a two horse race with Colorado and Edmonton I can't see the other six teams being able to to, to beat them to get to go onto the Stanley Cup so I do predict quick series. You know, Colorado should be able to finish Seattle in four or five games. Uh, Edmonton should be able to beat the Kings in four or five games. Tonight at 10, I know you're going to want to watch Golden State and Sacramento. I'm going to be buddy, watching that, yes. Your buddy McJesus is playing against L.A. It's Connor McDavid right. on Edmonton. So I'll you got to flip back and I'll forth. flip back. I'll, I'll flip. I have, I'll have my uh, computer screen. Yeah, you have the five that. screens. Yeah, done. I'll have so one of ahead, the screens done. That go way. ahead and do that. Let's go to Walter Cherapinski. It's Iron Sports. It's time to bring in Walter Cherapinski from WalterFootball.com. We're in the midst of draft season. And, Walter, I, I want to start this off just a little bit with your process. You know, as we get closer to the draft, you can go on any site on the Internet, and you're going to see basically clickbait articles where people are just, you know, coming up with the craziest things ever. They barely know players on, on the teams, you know, addressing needs and stuff. Whereas you guys at WalterFootball.com, you're in the trenches, and that's where you get your information from. Yeah, uh, yeah, we I, we watch every single game. I you know watch every single game multiple times. Uh, I feel like I know these teams inside out. And Charlie Campbell, our senior NFL draft analyst, he does an amazing job talking to sources at various teams. And uh, it, it's pretty amazing because during draft week, I'll, I'll get a text from Charlie saying, "Hey, Team X is taking this prospect if he's available," and he'll he'll be right 100 percent of the time. That's that's how he got his first 10 picks correct last year. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's a lot of fun, and uh, I, I can't wait. It's only 10 days from now. So you can check out uh, Walter and Charlie's uh, drafts at WalterFootball.com. So, Walter, a, a lot of people seem to think it's a foregone conclusion. We're going to see four quarterbacks go right off the board. You guys are not thinking that way, and I have a feeling you're right on that. Yeah, so I, I think three will go in the top four. Uh, Cedar Shroud, Bryce Young, uh, probably one and two, and then Anthony Richardson, I think, will be either number three or number four, depending on if there's a trade uh, with the Cardinals. Um, I, I think Will Levis might fall, though. Uh, you know, I, I, we, we've been asking around, or I should say Charlie mostly has been asking around teams uh, if they like Will Levis. And I, I can tell you this, there's a team drafting in the top ten who will almost certainly have Will, Will Levis fall to them, and they won't take him even though they need a quarterback. Uh, they just don't like it very much. 
Uh, the accuracy is a big issue. Uh, the fact that he has issues during the touch pass is, is a problem, too. Um, you can see a type of ball that we saw from uh, Malik Willis last year. I, I don't think he'll go in the third round or anything, but it wouldn't shock me if he fell out of the first round. I still have him in the first round of my mock draft. I have him going 19 to Tampa Bay. Um, but I, I think there, there, I think there's a good chance he'll fall to the teams or the 20s. So I'm a Giants fan, so I'll be a little bit, uh, you know, trying to pick your brain on this. <laughs> so it, it going through Giants circles, all the, you know, all the reporters and writers are saying it's wide receiver or bust. And granted, they do have a big need at wide receiver. You have them taking Jack Campbell from Iowa. What's your thought process there? And also, are there other receivers that you'd be looking for, maybe round two or three, to kind of help fill out that Giants core? Yeah, uh, actually, I'm updating my mock draft tonight at 10 o'clock, and I'm going to have the Giants uh, taking, uh, I think I think it's uh, Cedric Tillman, uh, the receiver from Tennessee. Love it. In the, sec- in the second round. Uh, so uh, I think that the, uh, the Giants, from what we hear, uh, they, they really love all four receivers. You know, there are some teams that like one receiver more than the other. I think you can see the top four receivers in this class. That's uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnson, Dave Flowers, and Jordan Addison. You could see them in any order because – Certain teams have, uh, like, some people have Zay Flowers over the other guys. Some teams have Quinn Johnson over the other guys. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they fall. Um, the Giants, from what we hear, love all of them, and they're they're really hoping that one of them falls to 25. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. There's just so many teams that need receivers in front of them. And not only that, there are teams behind them, like the Bills, uh, the Chiefs, if, if the Bengals trade T. Higgins. Uh, there are teams behind them that could trade up ahead of them to take a receiver. So it's going to be tough unless they move up. Um, I don't think one of those receivers will fall to 25. If, if they do, the Giants would be thrilled. Um, if they don't, I think Jack Campbell is a likely pick. Uh, the Giants have needed help at linebacker for a long time. A long time. Uh, Campbell, <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Campbell is, uh, I think he could go as high as 18 to Detroit. It's not an ideal pick for the Lions, but, you know, if. If all the guys like are off the board by a team, that Campbell could be the pick there. But at 25, I think that's a pretty solid value. So you know, about a month or six weeks ago, we were talking about Jalen Carter could be the you know the the best player in this draft. Off field issues, much like we saw at Laramie Tunsil, who then dropped, uh, I believe, the 13 to the Dolphins. How do you see, or you know, what are teams saying about Jalen Carter, and are they willing to take you know risks a little bit on on the off the field issues? What's your plan for him? Well, we know that two teams in the top ten who could use him have taken them off their board. Um, now, we don't talk to every team. It's impossible. Some teams just don't uh, reveal information. I think, for example, the Patriots are one team that's eluded us. They, they don't let anything out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've only gotten one pick from the Patriots right in, in my history. Um, but, um, I think that was Lawrence Maroney a long time ago. But, um, <laughs> that is a while ago. Uh, yeah, 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 seriously. Um, but Jalen Carter is just some mega talent, and I, I have a feeling that he may slide. I, right now I have him um, going uh, number five uh, to Seattle. Um, so there's there's a chance that he could still go top five. Seattle has taken uh, some players with uh, questionable uh, character concerns before. They've had him in for a visit, so there, there's at least some interest. I'm sure they've done their due diligence on him. Um, if Seattle passes on him, you could see him slide to 9 or 10. Uh, I think the Eagles might take a chance because they're right on the cusp of going back to the Super Bowl again and perhaps winning it. Um, but, you know, he could take the Tunsil-type slide and, and fall to the teams. And, you know, these teams and the teams are, you know, they might be looking at Carter and thinking, wow, he can't, I can't believe uh, he fell to us. Um, you know, a team like the Jets, for example, at 13, um, you know, they need an offensive lineman um, or perhaps a receiver. But, you know, if Jalen Carter falls to them, 
they could be looking at Jalen Carter and Quinnen Williams uh, collapsing the pocket against Josh Allen. I, I think that would be huge for a team like the Jets, but, you know, a team in the teams. So I, I don't think Carter is going to fall out of the first round or anything, but there's a chance he could fall out of the top ten. Ira, what do you have uh, for Walter? Well, Walter, the first question I would have would be, first of all, let me just uh, push your site. I use Walter football not just for draft, but during the year. Like, as the year goes on, you have all the players for next year. If I'm watching a college football game, I want to look to see what players, you know, this is a fifth rounder, this is a fourth rounder, this is a third rounder. I even look at the offensive linemen that you list because I want to get an insight into that. So I, I'd use your site year-round, not just for the draft. But my first question would be, uh, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. It seems like they're, you know, you can. It's fifty-fifty each way. What's going to happen? You have C.J. Stroud going first to Carolina, uh, and Bryce Young going second to Houston. Yeah, it's right now from what we hear from Carolina, uh, the coaches really want C.J. Stroud, uh, especially Josh McCown, the quarterback coach. He, he loves C.J. Stroud, um, but the owner uh, and I guess the GM they want um, they want Bryce Young. So right now there there is a debate in in the front office. I don't know if they've decided. Uh, by that, our, this information is about a week old. Uh, so I we'll, guess we'll see what happens, whether the coaches went out or, or the owner uh, slash GM went. I think it's about 50-50. So, yeah, like you said, it is 50-50 right now. I, I'd be shocked if, if either of those two quarterbacks fell out of the top two. Um, the only way I could see that happening is if Houston, uh, if they really love Trey Lance or something and they trade for him and – you know, suddenly the either Young or Stroud falls to three or four. Um, I, I think they're definitely. I think otherwise they're going to go one two. I loved your report where you criticized Houston in the you know, last week, the first week of January, and decision to win that game and what that cost them. Yeah, I, it was so bizarre. Uh, they were in full control of the number one pick, and you know they could have had whichever quarterback they wanted. Um, if if for some reason they don't like either of Young or Stroud, and there there are there are some question marks, uh, a few question marks with with either. Um, it, suddenly that that decision will look really foolish if they don't get the quarterback they want just because they want a game that um, not only like it, it, it also um, you know like I, I just don't understand why they would do that and also like put the Colts in position uh, to maybe get one of those uh, players if if the Texans pass on them so. Um, I, I don't I get what they did at the end. Um, it, it took a miracle to win that game. They had to convert a couple of fourth and longs on the final <laughs> drive and then the two-point conversion. It's just like a slow, painful death for the Texans fans who are just hoping for the number one pick. Um, after Saquon Barkley was picked in number two, I, people were saying, oh, we're never going to see these running backs picked so early. You have B. John Robinson of Texas going to Detroit at number six. Yeah, uh, so I'm usually against teams taking a first-round running back. Uh, I think the only exception is if a team is on the cusp of winning the Super Bowl because I, I think at number six, or if you look at the Eagles at number 10, I think those are the two teams that make sense for John Robinson uh, in the top 10. Um, I, oh, I guess, believe it or not, I, I, I guess I should preface this thing. I, I believe the Lions are one of the best teams in the NFC. They were 8-2 they were in their final 10 games last year. They clobbered every team they played that made the playoffs except for the Bills, and that was a, that was a tight loss. So I, I consider the Lions one of the better teams in the NFC, and the Eagles, obviously, they went to the Super Bowl. So right now, those two teams, um, they couldn't take any other player at 6 or 10 who would help them more this year than Bijan Robinson. So uh, if you're looking at a team in the first round that is that has a good chance of making a Super Bowl run, I, I'm I'm in favor of them taking a talented running back like Robinson or Jameer Gibbs later on, uh, you know, the, the 20s or or maybe 30s or 31. Um, 
so uh, I, I think that makes sense for Robinson. But if you look at some of the other teams that have been linked to him, you know, the Patriots have been rumored to like him, which probably means they're not going to take him. But uh, <laughs> let's just say hi- hypothetically, if the Patriots take him at 14, I think that's a huge mistake because right now they're not anywhere close to being a Super Bowl team. So by the time they get there, Robinson's going to have a lot of wear and tear on his body, and you know he's going to be wearing down. Um, so I, I I would not like that. But if a team like you know, for example, like the Bills, for example, if they took Jameer Gibbs at 27, I would love that for them because. Gibbs could help them right away to win the Super Bowl, kind of like the like I said with Robinson uh, helping the Eagles and Lions. Um, I'm a huge Steelers fan, of course, and Joey, and I'm a Penn State fan. So Joey <laughs> Porter, I mean, what a story! His father was a star Steeler uh, player uh, to go to the Steelers at 17. I, I see Porter though. The question is, I sometimes see him earlier in some drafts, but also the Steelers maybe not taking a corner at that, going maybe wide receiver. So talk about the Steelers' selection of Porter at 17 that you're projecting. Well, it's a big need for them. I, I think ideally they would love a tackle uh, like Darnell, um, Darnell Wright um, or uh, Broderick Jones or um, maybe uh, perhaps if Skronsky falls because of his short arms, I don't think he will. But um, I, I think one of those would make sense uh, for the Steelers at 17. I, I just don't think the, the tackles will fall that far. Um, so if, if all the first-round tackles are off the board, which all, I guess concerns Tampa as well, um, I think the Steelers would look at another big position in need, and I think cornerback is is that. I mean, they signed Patrick Peterson this offseason, but he he's an older player. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. He had a solid year last year, but he's in his mid-30s now. Um, the Steelers, they just signed him for the short term. Uh, they need a number one cornerback for the long term. And, uh, you know, in a, in a division where you have to play against uh, the Bengals receivers, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, uh, you need all the help you can get in the secondary um, and we, we saw the Steelers draft Kenny Pickett last year because uh, the owner vowed never to pass on a pit quarterback <laughs> ever again after passing on Dan Marino. Um, the, I guess if they like their narratives, uh, they have to, they almost have to take uh, Joey Porter Jr. Um, at 17. And, you know, if they don't, there's a chance that Baltimore takes them. And that would be, that would not be ideal if, if they like their narratives that much. No, that's not a good narrative. Uh, one thing we're seeing in the NFL is the emergence of tight ends, the tight end position, a lot of star tight ends. Uh, including Kittles and everyone else, but uh, you have Michael, two good tight ends in this draft, uh, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame and Dalton Kincaid of Utah, and you have them both at the end of the first round, Mayer going to the Cowboys, which the Cowboy fans would be excited, I think, for that one, and then Cincinnati, if they need any, any more weapons than that, is now giving them Dalton Kincaid, Kincaid at uh, tight end. Yeah, actually, in the, in the mock draft I'm updating tonight, there are going to be three tight ends in the first round. I'm actually pushing up Kincaid to uh, number 15 to the Packers um, because he was cleared medically. That was the only uh, question mark with him. Um, so with that in mind, uh, I, I think that the Packers might like him a lot. Uh, they brought him in for a visit. He's, he's super athletic, a uh, ton of upside, and you know Aaron Rodgers presumably is not going to be there anymore. So uh, they can count on Rodgers. Uh, getting these mediocre players up to play well anymore because Jordan Love has no experience. So uh, I, I think they want to surround Love with as many weapons as possible. It could be a receiver, but, uh, you know, given that they brought in all these first-round tight ends uh, for visits, I think they're going to take one of them. And Kincaid makes the most sense to me as, as the most, most athletic guy. I still have Mayer to the Cowboys, and then I have uh, Darna Washington to the Bengals, as you said. So the uh, Bengals taking another tight end. Uh, the Bengals wanted Trey McBride last year. Uh, he was in the second round. Arizona took him. 
Um, so I, I think they, they want to, to, to take a tight end. They lost Hayden Hurst this offseason. There's talk that they might trade one of T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd just because it's going to be hard to, to resign both uh, Higgins and Chase to big contracts. Uh, and also Boyd is going to command some money. So I, I think financially they have to move one of those guys eventually. And if they do, suddenly uh, that this tight end that they could draft in the first round would, would make a huge uh, – would, would be a huge help for them. Right, right. So I went to the Tennessee-Georgia game in Athens, and I got there. I think the, I was the first person in the stadium, and there's and Hendon Hooker was on the field throwing. And I I go I like to love to go to the games early and see quarterbacks throw in their shorts when just to have fun. I've never seen a quarterback. His arm strength was off the charts. You know I've loved him. Um, I think he's I can't believe he's dropping so much. You have him going to the Colts at 35, and I see names. I see you know Mike Tannenbaum. Everybody seems on ESPN like Mel Kiper likes Will Levis, and Mike Tannenbaum is pushing Hendon Hooker. So <laughs> if they had if they were the GMs of the teams, we know what they would be doing. But you have Hooker going to the Colts at 35. Are you assuming the Colts don't draft then, of course, a quarterback in the first round? Yeah, I, I don't think the Colts will draft Will Levis. I think they might uh, have interest in Anthony Richardson if he if he drops to them. Uh, but I, I think that a team might trade up to number three to take Richardson. So if if they don't get Richardson or Levis, uh, you know, they, they don't have a quarterback, so they definitely need one. Um, there's still an outside chance that they could trade, they could sign in uh, Lamar Jackson. That would, that would cost them two first-round picks. Um, they're, they're the only team that said that, that they didn't decline the possibility of uh, getting Jackson. So uh, if they don't do that, I think Hendon Hooker is the only other possibility who makes sense. They might have to trade up uh, for him at the, toward the end of the first round. Uh, you know, to a team that likes to move down. The Eagles like to move around a lot, so maybe they, they trade up to 30 or something. Uh, so, yeah, Hooker, I mean, if he, if he, if he didn't tear his ACL, I, I think he'd be a first-round pick. Um, there's just some some concern with that. Also, he's going to be 26. Uh, so older older uh, quarterback prospects who have entered the NFL usually have not done well, but um, I think he might be an exception. He, he was just terrific uh, for Tennessee last year. It's just a shame that he tore his ACL because – Otherwise, I think uh, we'd be talking about him being a top 26 for sure. I think he might have won the Heisman Trophy, too. I think if he didn't tear yeah. his ACL. But uh, you have, go, staying on the quarterbacks, you have Tanner McGee uh, going, of Stanford going to Denver, Stetson Bennett, who is the won two national championships of Georgia, uh, going to Detroit. These are in the third round. And Max Dugan of, T of TCU going to Minnesota. Sort of talk about, and I certainly understand Denver, Denver with Russell Wilson, but where would Detroit? Why would Detroit take Stetson Bennett, considering Jerry Jared Goff and Bennett's an older quarterback? Well, I mean, they, I just think they want to develop uh, a young quarterback. I, I think it could be um, any of the, the names you mentioned. It wasn't um, it wasn't Bennett specific for any specific reason, except for the the fact that I think Dan Campbell would love his you know his leadership and, and fiery attitude. That, that's that's the only reason I, I slotted Bennett uh, to to the Lions. Yeah, he is an older quarterback. There is some I, I've I've seen some reports saying. That there is some off the field stuff with him. I, I know he was arrested for a public intoxication. I, I don't. I don't think that's a big deal. Um, you know, especially for someone like Campbell who uh, really loves uh, like team leaders and stuff like that. And the Lions do need someone to groom behind Jared Goff. I, I think they want to develop a quarterback. Um, there, there was there was talk that um, if the Browns uh, cut Baker Mayfield last off season, the Lions uh, would have signed him as a as a developmental guy behind Goff. Um, so I, I think they're going to draft a quarterback uh, around three, four, five, something like that. And Bennett makes sense, but you could really plug in um, I, any of the names you mentioned or some other guys too.
We're down here in South Florida. Have to ask a question. I mean, the Dolphins pick, you know, for tampering purposes, they lost their first round pick. They do have that second, and uh, you think they would go offensive line. Well, you're actually projecting offensive line for that second pick, the 51st pick overall. Yeah, they have to protect uh, Tua Tagovailoa. He he hasn't played a full season yet. Uh, his injury in that Packer game uh, late last season really derailed their their chances. I, I would have loved to have seen them um, enter the playoffs with a healthy Tua. I think they may have beaten the Bills, considering how, how poorly the Bills played late in the year when Von Miller got hurt. Um, and that game that game against Miami with Skylar Thompson playing quarterback was close. So I think Tua may have put them over the top. And um, I, I don't know how far the Dolphins would have gone, but they have so much talent at receiver that, you know, those guys can go the distance any play and they can beat anyone. They just have to protect Tua. That, that's the number one priority. Uh, they made some good moves last offseason, um, getting a couple of offensive linemen, Turn Armstead, Connor Williams. But they still need some help in the interior. I have been taking Steve Avila. Um, he can play center or guard. Uh, I, th- I think the Dolphins would really like that uh, versatility. Yeah, and then staying sticking with the Florida teams, Jacksonville. What a great year they had last year. Looking to really add on that. And you have them, I think, taking quarterback Kelly Ringo of Georgia at 24. Yeah, they, they were so explosive offensively, and they're going to get Calvin Ridley joining the team. So they're going to be even better offensively, as, as great as they were down the stretch. problem was their defense. They, they couldn't stop anyone, uh, including the Chiefs. Uh, it's in two games, they, they couldn't get Patrick Mahomes off the field. So if the Jaguars are going to make a Super Bowl run, they're going to have to go Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Joe Burrow, which is extremely difficult. <laughs> they should win the division easily, but they have to look forward to have that. Uh, so, you know, getting edge rushers, uh, cornerbacks, uh, players like that uh, to really slow down these corner, these uh, elite quarterbacks in the AFC, uh, that has to be their priority. Uh, they drafted an edge rusher last year in, uh, at number one overall. Uh, usually teams don't like to, to go back-to-back uh, at the same position in consecutive years because it, it just causes a headache when, when their contracts are up. Um, so I, I think the Jaguars could go corner early and then maybe address uh, the edge rush, second, third, fourth round. Uh, they could they could use a, an, off, an offensive lineman to replace Jawan Taylor. He's gone. Uh, but I expect them to go heavy defense, cornerback, safeties, uh, pass rushers. That's uh, <laughs> definitely. Um, so anyway, in terms of the overall, I, this is like I feel like I have to ask this question. Like it's almost a standard question to ask just to confirm. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will be playing for the New York Jets next year and Lamar Jackson will be playing for the Baltimore Ravens, just to confirm. I, I think oh, I'm more confident in Rodgers playing for the Jets. I, I think they're going to get a trade done eventually. It'll probably be for one of the one of the second round picks the Jets have. Uh, they have 42 and 43. I think it's going to be for one of them. Uh, and they, they might get a, another pick in 2024. It might be conditional. Like uh, if the Jets make it to the second round of the playoffs, for example, they, they, it could be a second rounder, otherwise third rounder. So I, I think it'll be two second round picks overall, or two second day picks overall uh, for Rodgers. So I, I think that'll happen uh, eventually. With with Jackson, uh, the issue is that he's, at, he's asking for way too much guaranteed money. Uh, he wants more guaranteed money than Sean Watson got for the Browns. And I, I don't blame him for thinking that way. But Watson it just got an absurd contract that, that you just don't see. It's the Browns. It was the Browns' mistake that's causing this, this headache for the Ravens, uh, which I guess if you're the Browns, you might be happy about that because they, they hate the Ravens. But uh, I, I think that I think Jackson will ultimately uh, go back to Baltimore. But like I said, I think there's a more of a chance that Rodgers goes to the Jets than Jackson goes back to Baltimore. It wouldn't surprise me if he's traded to the Colts. Oh. 
Okay, that's news. And one last question. We have, we're talking to uh, Walter Cherbransky of WalterFootball.com, the best, in my, in my opinion, the best draft, uh, preview draft, also during the whole year of rating. Give me one player who, no matter where it goes, it's like this per player is going to be awesome. It's gonna, he's probably going to be drafted late, but you know, after watching all the film you did of all college football, what, is there a player out there which if you had a general, if you were the Mel Kuyper and the Mike Tannenbaum, you'd be saying, <laughs> pounding the tables, like draft this person, draft this person. Someone I like on day three, uh, I think he's going to go day three, is, uh, uh, well, you might like this, Penn State uh, safety, Jair Brown. Yes, um, yes, yes. So, I love the guy. I love him. Joey Porter uh, gets yeah. all the credit. And, Brown, yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. That, great, great. I love that one. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, so with him, he's not the biggest or fastest guy, uh, which is why he's going to go on day three probably. But his instincts are off the charts. And, and for a safety, I think that's so important. I, I think a safety with, with elite instincts like, like, like Brown has is someone who could start day one. Now, I don't know if he, I don't think he's going to be a, a perennial Pro Bowl or anything because he, he doesn't have the elite upside. But he could he can make plays for teams. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a good starter in the NFL. I, I would I would definitely take him in the fourth round. I would even consider him in the third round. But I, I think he, he's going to fall because of his uh, lack of you know elite traits uh, and physicality. But um, I, I think that fourth fourth round maybe even fifth round for him I, I i think that would be a slam dunk pick for for a team that needs safety oh so anyway i'm um mike mike might have i think mike is sitting there he's still he's nervous about his giants so <laughs> i think he wants some help there but uh, go ahead mike Ask no him. i was just gonna say um you know th thank you so much for uh, joining us like we said uh, walterfootball.com really the authority across uh, across the internet when it comes to this don't be tricked into a lot of these clickbait sites walterfootball.com is where you need to get all your draft and nfl knowledge and Walter, I know you're going to be really busy these next couple of weeks, so thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, just a, a minute or two left here. Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. Boston on top of the Florida Panthers, 1-0, 11 minutes to go in the first. The first period has ended. Islanders in Carolina. Carolina is still up 1-0, and it's a tie game, 25-all with 40 seconds to go, Brooklyn and Philadelphia. <clears throat> Jalen Hurts is getting paid, Ira, and I have to be talking about Lamar. He can't be too happy about this. There was a five-year, $255 million contract, $180 million guaranteed. It fits into what Josh Allen, which is $260 million, $150 million guaranteed. Russell Wilson, $250, $160. Kyler Murray, $230, $189. Again, Deshaun Watson, the $230 million all guaranteed is the outlier of all these deals. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow coming up. My comment to Lamar Jackson is this. David Mulligetta was Deshaun Watson's agent. He's the one who negotiates. Stop complaining about the contract. Hire David Mulligetta <laughs> to be your agent to do it. Makes it's sense. like on secession, I'm watching. Everybody wants the lawyer that's going to be the best lawyer. Mulligetta. Also, he got Jalen Ramsey. The if you look at his contract list, Ramsey, Michael Thomas, he's got these big contracts. I don't, Lamar Jackson, pay the 6%, the 5%, get David Mulligetta to get your agent and have him figure out a way. Don't just say this worked and we complained about the Browns and Haslam, they overpaid. But Mulligetta did a, did a great factor. He got teams bidding against each other. That's the beauty of agents. Hire David David Mulligata as your agent. Matthew Fitzpatrick beats Jordan Spieth in a three-hole playoff with a fantastic approach shot to just about a foot or two away. That was pretty exciting. I mean, between Spieth and Fitzpatrick, um, the big story about this classic, uh, the RBC classic, was that Rory McIlroy, it was a designated event where he talked about, this is important, this is important, totally AWOL for the entire event, <laughs> and has to pay $3 million for not playing in the event because he was required to play in the event. 
Um, and yeah, John Rahm is like, people are paying to see guys like me play. I'm playing in this. Rahm finished 15th, tied with Ricky Fowler, who's, again, you know, Ricky's going to get a win there soon. Scheffler finished 11th, and uh, but a, a big name field. I mean, Candelay was third, Shoffley was fourth. They play in Mexico next week. Wells Fargo, which will be a fairly big event in Charlotte the week after, Byron Nelson, and then the PGA tournaments in Rochester. Let's talk tennis real quick. Real fast. I mean, the Monte Carlo, which is the greatest tournament to ever see on TV as you look at the ships in Monte Carlo, and it's just beautiful. Andre Rulev, 25 years old, from Russia, uh, beat Hogarun. Hogarun is... 19 years old. If you look, Alcaraz is 19 years old. Sinner is 21. Rune was tremendous. He beat Sinner in three sets, beat Medvedev. He's got, he's up and coming. Last year, he was in the qualifying tournament for this. Now he's playing in the finals. And next year, who knows what he could be. He and Alcaraz could be ruling tennis for the next decade. Djokovic lost early, but he's back playing. Uh, but uh, this is, this will be exciting. Now they go on to, you know, the clay court season heading up to the French. Ira, what are you up to this week? Because I know we might have a lot of uh, playoff action here in Florida. Well, we're definitely going to do Saturday for the Heat and Monday for the Heat. And if I could fit in the Panthers either on Friday or Sunday, might do that. But we'll see. I got to see where the, you know, that would be. But I'm definitely, definitely going to see Heat and Bucks. I can't wait for that. Giannis in Kasey. I can't I keep forgetting American Airlines Arena, Kaseya Center. And uh, pretty exciting for that. We want to thank Walter Cherapinski of WalterFootball.com so much for stopping by. He's Ira on Mike. Let's talk next Monday night, Ira on Sports.